Anthony Kershaw back again with another episode of our special series, The Impact Sprint, 14 Stories of Heartbeats and Footprints. Now, if you listen to our first episode, then you'll know what this is all about. A fortnight-long sprint diving deep into the very ethos that fuels impact marathons. Yesterday, we looked at how we first came up with the concept and how it evolves from an off-the-cuff joke to the first Uganda marathon. And today... We're off to Kathmandu, Nepal, five months removed from the devastating earthquake that took 10,000 lives and destroyed entire communities. One of our most frequently asked questions is how we select our countries for impact races. Well, Nepal really selected itself. We didn't want to, to be a humanitarian aid or crisis organization. There's no need for a race at a time of extreme human need. But Nepal had and still has all the elements that make up a special location for an event. We hadn't been moved to go there in order to support Nepal in a time of crisis. No, we were looking at when our event finally happens, 18 months after the earthquake. What happens after an earthquake or a natural disaster when the press and the media has long since moved on, when the money has been spent and implemented? What happens now? We have to have a social story to tell when we choose a a place, a location. We have to have an impact. We have to work in a place where people are excited to visit. But it's also just one step away from the usual holiday and vacation destinations. We have to have spectacular trail running that will make it a route that you simply have to run. We have to be able to attract people to come as well as that core reason that core element of the social purpose for the event so why are these three elements important we review new locations almost every week we've got a hundred ideas for new races and now we have a great deal more experience than we had in 2015 so we sort of know what we're looking for when we're walking that line Where will we have the most impact is not always where we'll get the most runners. Less runners means less fundraising, meaning less impact. We want to be an example of how business can be a force for good. We won't do anything without a social impact and a key story to tell, but we must also support the team, grow the business, support more communities to show that you can be a profitable organization growing whilst leaving an exponentially huge positive impact. One of my goals when we first started out was that I want fundraising in our foundation to always outstrip the revenue in the business. That's what we mean by a truly social business. So we have to consider how many runners we can get to a new race alongside the social story. I can never foresee a year when Nepal is not an impact marathon. It's the OG, but it's also the most stunning example of what is achievable when you have a vision, a big scary vision at the time and you share it. And we shared it again, and we shared it again. And you don't give up, and you keep meeting more people, and you keep your energy high, and you keep your passion focused on that vision, and you can have amazing things happen. You can change entire communities, you can change thousands of lives, and you can even directly save lives. Along the way, you can create jobs, you can employ people really well, and you can create an immensely empowering experience for every single runner. So... Let's dig a little deeper into that story, because I had never been to Kathmandu, 
honestly had never really had Nepal on my list. And yet here I was 10 days after leaving my job, touching down in this amazing city. I landed into the normal chaos of the airport there. The baggage claim in Kathmandu Tribuvan Airport has to be experienced, to be believed. You've never seen so many boxes of TVs outside of your local Target or Curry's if you live here in the UK. There's a whole lot of reasons for that that we won't get into. But if you want an episode on economics and geopolitics in Nepal, let us know in the reviews and the comments. We had a fixer back then and um, a fellow Greek called Natalia who had set me up with some meetings and a place to stay. So I landed in country, there was a taxi man there waiting for me and that whisked me off in one of those ubiquitous tiny white taxis that fill the streets of Kathmandu. We raced along the motorways, trundled along the mud roads that skirt the riverbank and turned to the ancient gate that heralds your arrival into the city of Pata. Everything suddenly changed to that surreal, otherworldly experience that only travel can provide. The streets narrowed to the width of a car, each turn a new temple, people seamlessly switching between walking up to pressing up against buildings to allow the car to pass. Intense is the only word that seems remotely appropriate, and it doesn't feel like it does this moment in my life justice. Intense. Intense noise, intense smells, intense laughter, intense music. I felt immediately at home. It was incredible. Minutes after arriving at my homestay, I was whisked off to the UNESCO World Heritage Site, just two minutes' walk from my house, Patan Durba Square. But a walk that involved dodging motorbikes, squeezing past walkers heading in the counter direction, petting dogs, hopping over the angled wood that now held up buildings in these months after the earthquake. The scale of the temples in Durba Square make your hair stand on end. But back in September 2015, these temples were part destroyed, part rebuilt, with just a couple standing in their full form at this time. When these temples are rebuilt, and it's not the first time this has happened, each stone is matched up to its original location and pieced back together so that, as far as is humanly possible, the temple you see when you stand in that square looking up is made of the exact same bricks in the same places as when it was first built. How much of this is achievable and achieved? I have no idea. But I love the concept of the preservation that ensures the history, the culture and the religious significance lasts through centuries. Relentless intensity of Nepali culture weaves its way through every element of Kathmandu life. And I felt this from the very first moment, those very first steps into Nepal and it felt like coming home all along. After asking how we choose impact countries, the next question we often get asked is how do we start creating a race in a new location? The answer is kind of simple. We email, we WhatsApp, we phone, we meet, we email, we WhatsApp, we phone, we meet. I just had one goal from each meeting. I wanted one new person to talk to, one new introduction. That was it. I never went into a meeting with a deliberate agenda. I would share the vision, share the openness of the concept. We are a conduit to fundraising, to storytelling, to awareness raising. 
and to spreading the joy of running, how do you want to use us as a platform? But when no one had ever proposed such a concept to build a pop-up athletes village where a group of international runners would come for a week, but not run until the final day, no, they would work with the community to build audacious and crazy dream projects that wouldn't happen any other way. And then that final day, a running event, not just for the best runners, but for any runners, not for a time, but to share a special time together, not for medals, but for memories and moments. It is fair to say that some people just didn't get it. Others kind of got it and tried to put us into a box that they did understand fully. And others totally got it from day one. They just totally got it. After one such meeting, my connection went home and immediately wrote up all the ideas we had dreamt up and sent it out to his entire network. I was copied in and when I read it, I felt so proud of how this guy had totally understood our vision. Then the response came back from an expat living in Nepal. The trail running market in Nepal is saturated. I don't see why this is different to anything else and I don't see how this will work out at all. I read it and I reeled. I was crestfalling. It didn't cross my mind that whoever had written this email could be wrong. <laughs> the only thing that I thought at that time was, I'm thousands of miles from home in a country where I know no one. I just quit my job. <laughs> and it turns out no one wanted what I thought we could build. One email and my head went straight to no one. Everyone wants me to leave this country. I lay there that night listening to the dogs of Patan howling away as they seemed to love doing. I started looking at changing my flights. This one email had thrown me. It felt like such a cold response or such a beautiful concept. And the next morning I had a meeting. I went along to to a charity called Childreach and a man called Ergan Lama. Everything was about to change. The narrative was about to shift. And that man with his beautiful positive energy his care for his work and his long-term mindset was the catalyst and he remains so to this very day join me tomorrow to find out more about this man 